Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. We're going to get back to 1 Timothy and try to finish up this book. And 1 Timothy, we really are dealing with, especially here, practical Christianity. Um, practical Christianity, sometimes life really is your best commentary. Um, you got to know what the, once you know what the news media is doing, what Hollywood's doing, what all these different groups are doing, and you start to get some life experience and see what is actually going on. Um, success in America is defined by Wall Street or whatever the latest um, money-making scheme is. That's not really what the Bible teaches. Um, and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a really seminary-style guy. I'm not really a polished preacher, and I... Uh, my style, I, I try to be as practical as possible. I'm a practical guy. I'm a functional guy. And right this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to get down to some brass tactics and that the things that I understand and things that I have studied and my life experience has given me, um, and I'm sure yours has too, on how to avoid dangers. And this is real practical stuff. It's not deep theology. And I want it to be a help to us all. Because we're going to seek to learn and understand how to put in place proper safeguards in light of God's Word. And in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, the Bible says, um, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry, we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. All right, let's bow our heads if you would with me in prayer. Let's ask God to speak to us. Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, thank You for this day. Help us, help our hearts to understand. Give us understanding, give us wisdom, give us knowledge. Help this message to be clear. Help me to tell the truth in the right way with the right spirit. In Christ's name, we do pray for the edification of the saints here. In, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 6, very key. Godliness, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You back up to verse number 5, look what it says. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitutes of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. What we talked about Sunday school kids, pay attention, there's the temptation. That's why God says, hey, get away from that. Withdraw yourself from that 
And he says in verse 6, key, practical, easy verse to understand, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at that word with. It's the cause or the means whereby godliness is attained. It's with contentment. It's being content. Let's define contentment. That's a good idea. Let's get Philippians chapter number 4. Galatians, Ephesians, and then the book of the Philippians. And here we go. In Philippians, chapter number 4, verse number 11, the Bible says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Two things we've got to do. We've got to learn contentment. It's not something that comes natural to any of us. And how do we learn it? Whatever state we are in, whatever type of environment we are in, be content. How does that happen? I don't have all the answers. I just know what the Bible says. And I know if we believe God, if we trust God through His help and through His Holy Spirit, He can help us to be content. That doesn't mean if you're in a crummy relationship, you should be enjoying the crumminess. <laughs> that is not what God is saying. Where do we find the contentment? It really is in the joy of the Lord. How do you find contentment in jail? How does a missionary find contentment when uh, we were reading about a missionary the other last night and the missionary uh, ended up, oh, it was some horrible situation and was almost going to die, was trying to swim up in icy water and all of a sudden God opened up the, 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 the ice bridge at the bottom and he was able to come up and got saved. How do you find contentment in that? You, you, you don't sign up for the crumminess of life. I don't want to do that. I'm not recommend, recommending you do that. Don't sign up for crumminess. But when it comes your way, how can you find contentment? It's only in the Lord that we can find true contentment. And if our thirst is satisfied, we can rest in Him. That's why we don't have a Sabbath anymore to keep. We find rest in the Lord every day is the Lord's day. Now, as New Testament Christians, traditionally we meet on the first day of the week, which is great, but every day we can find rest in the Lord. We are New Testament saints and our rest is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our true contentment goes or is. All right, let's get Hebrews chapter 13. All I have are these crummy clothes. And all I have... I'm going to eat leftovers again. I, we got to have peanut butter and jelly again. Okay. Okay, Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 5. 
The Bible says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I know, Lord, you'll never leave me. I know, Lord, you'll never forsake me. But do we have to have peanut butter and jelly again? Do we have to? And it just goes on down the line, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, Hebrews 13, 5. How can our conversation be not filled with covetousness? I think if we... The practical advice here is if we can settle in on being content with what we have and merging that with knowing the Lord's not going to leave us and He's not going to forsake us, and that's where the contentment comes in. Touchy subject, I guess in all Christian circles, Baptist circles even more, Independent Baptist circles even more. Because once you're an independent Baptist, you know that your conclusions are always the right conclusions, right? It's just the way it goes. Marriage and divorce. I'm not for divorce. God hates divorce. I'm not encouraging or recommending anybody to get divorced. But, look, if the husband is going home after work and he's punching his wife in the mouth. How do you be content with that? How do you just say, well, you're supposed to submit? <laughs> Which some of the brethren will say. How do you find contentment in that? What's she to do? Well, if they come in my office, it's going to be, here's the phone, let's call the cops. <laughs> but, you're supposed to be content with getting hit in the mouth every time a drunk husband comes home? No, she shouldn't be content with that. That crumminess is horrible. <laughs> Nobody should sign up for that crumminess. And if you get something that you didn't think that you signed up for, and now that's the hand that you've got to play... How do you find contentment? It's only in knowing, Hebrews 13.5, that the Lord will not leave me and the Lord will not forsake me. Because that is where true contentment goes. And look, fellas, as great of a husband as we think that we are, because <laughs> we read a book by Gary Smalley, <laughs> we're not as good as we think that we are. How is our wives going to be content with us? Bottom line is, as good as we think we are, there's going to be an hour or a day or a week or a month where they're not. <laughs> they're not. She can, that's why a wife can only find true contentment in the Lord and knowing that the Lord will never leave or forsake. And my good-for-nothing husband might. <laughs> what do you do? You pray for him? What do you do? If he's breaking the law, you need to get the law involved. Um, but you don't find contentment in the crumminess that's coming at you. That is not what God is saying. Nobody's above God. Nobody has the right to lord over anybody. 
And none of us should find contentment in that. It's only in the Lord. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 6. If I can get better clothes. Oh, if I could just eat out more. I really, really wish the boss would just pay me some more money. And then I'll be content. Okay, 1 Timothy, right in our key verse today. Chapter 6, verse number 8. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Physically, down here on earth, the only thing that we need to be content is something to eat and clothes to wear. That's how God defines contentment with physical things down here on earth. Everything else are wants. We only need food and we need clothing. And if you want to say you have the shelter, the, 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 uh, the, the clothing of shelter, you can throw that in there. But all I'm saying is food and clothes. And we should be content. Everything else counted a blessing. It's a blessing that your parents were able to take you to McDonald's and eat. I'm scared to say it's food. <laughs> but you were able to have a morsel of food to eat. Be thankful for that. Missionaries go to other countries. And they're shocked at what the diet is. You eat three meals a day. And we all fare sumptuously. <laughs> we do. We need to learn to be content. And a content individual makes a content church member. And a content church member um, spreads that to other church members. And then those members make a content church and there should be a settling feeling of contentment in the hearts of the people that attend new testament local churches we should be content with what we have well i want another room to do other stuff i want a play area for the kids to do other stuff and i can go down to my want list i mean i do i want those things I want to try my best. I want to be content with what we have and what the Lord has provided for us. There's nothing wrong with wanting more, but when those things cause your heart to lose contentment in what you have, that's what God's trying to tell us. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's get Luke chapter 3. Last verse for contentment. The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse number 14, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. 
I just wish that my business would make more money because then we could do this, 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 and it. The Bible says be content with your wages. I just wish the boss man would pay me more. I mean, I do more work than this other guy, and I just wish, the Bible says, be content with your wages. How many of you want to earn more? I want to earn more. How many of you want to do better? I want to do better. How many of you want to have a better this and that and the other thing? I do. There's nothing wrong with that. What is wrong is the heart desire of uncontentment. Be satisfied. Be content with what your wage is. Work harder to either A, show the boss you can present more value to his company, or B, if you're a business owner, try to create more value. Work harder so you can up the... None of that is wrong. I do that. I'm sure you all do that. What God's telling us about is in the depths of our heart and soul, are we content? Are we content? And then the Bible says godliness with contentment is what? It's great gain. Your life, children, listen, listen to Brother Jimmy. Look at me. Your life is better off a simple life with a little bouncy ball to play with. I'm not kidding you. Our oldest, Justin, when he was growing up, a little bouncy ball kept him occupied for more hours than any of the fancy toys you can buy at Walmart. A bouncy ball. Bounce the ball, then he gets bored bouncing the ball, then he bounces the ball off the wall, and then he bounces the ball off you, and the next thing you know, it's a hockey thing going on. And it's a bouncy ball. It costs 50 cents. It's great game. The simple life is the better life. Get Psalm 37 and Proverbs 15. Psalm 37 we'll do first. Psalm 37 and what's going to be verse number 16. The Bible says, A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Are you a righteous man? You want to grow up to be a righteous man or woman? You know, God will give you His imputed righteousness if you will trust in Him. And He will, you will be righteous because of His merits. It is better to be a righteous man. It is better to live a righteous life than to have the riches of many. Now, just because you have money, that doesn't default you into being wicked. But oh boy, that temptation is there. You've got to be careful. You've got to be real careful. I'm telling your life will be better off. It'll be a better game. Proverbs 15. This is a, a great chapter to read to the kiddies. Let's start off in verse number. 16. We'll do two verses. The Bible says in verse 16, better is little 
with the fear of the Lord, then great treasure and trouble therewith. You say, all I got is a bouncy ball. All as I got is a little bit little Lego set. God says, you are better off. You're better off with just a little bit. Find contentment in that. Notice the word with again. The fear of the Lord. And you know, people today, they don't really feel their Lord. They fear the Joneses. That's why it's let's keep up with the Joneses. My neighbor has that. Now there, there it goes. We don't have the fear of the Lord. We fear what our neighbor's going to say. What are they going to say about our car? What are they going to say about our kids' clothes? What are they going to say about... the? It's better to just have the fear of the Lord and have a little bit than all of this junk, all of this treasure, and you're miserable. You're miserable. I'm telling you, God gives it to us. It's simple. It's easy. Now look at verse number 17. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. You know, they got the ox, the cow, they put it in a stall, they fatten it up. Ooh boy, time to go slaughter. That's a, that's a hearty, hearty, real rich event. You're going to slaughter the ox and we've been preparing it. God says, put that aside. Get rid of the stalled ox and sit down and just have some herbs. You're better off with that than if having all of this sumptuous food and being completely miserable. Sitting around the table, and it's a mess. This isn't a holiday message by any means. But bear with me. Most people get together with their family that they don't like or they're fighting with all year because they're required to because it's Christmas or because it's whatever. They fight and bicker all year. They don't talk to each other all year. But we're supposed to get together and we're supposed to have all this food and this big spread and we're supposed to sit down and act like we're happy. <laughs> right? It's, the, it's not the in-laws, it's the outlaws, and they're all fighting with each other. And the whole thing... Why not just mend your ways, forget about the turkey and the ham and the stuffing and the cranberry sauce and, the, and, the, and, the, and just sit down with some herbs and some dry rice. Who wants to come to my house for Christmas? <laughs> I mean, right? We really are better off. And God gives us to us that way. We got, it's something to think about. It really is. It's better to mend ways and have love, come to an agreement to disagree, but all this fake spread is just a bunch of junk. It is. All right, moving on. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We better get back there. First Timothy chapter six, 
verse number 7. The Bible goes on to say, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I've said it before, I'll say it again, you'll never see a U-Haul following a hearse. It's just you can't take the junk with you. Um, I'm not against junk. I, I like to have junk. <laughs> I like to have a truck that's nice and runs and works and has AC, and just like you do. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with giving your wife the best that you can give her. Nothing wrong with any of that. Can't take any of it with us. Job 1.21, you don't have to turn there for sake of time, and said, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My truck don't work. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Money's tight, we can't eat out this month. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 49.17 says, For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. You might be the higher up in a company. There's people all over this state and all over this world that in their field, they're getting some glory. And they're the man to go to. They're the woman to go to. Not when they die. I mean, they can leave their legacy, but that legacy isn't going to last forever. I'm just telling you, once we die, that's it. We're not taking nothing with us. We're not taking any of the junk. And that's it. So we need to be careful of covetousness. We can easily sink ourselves into a sea of never-ending unsatisfaction. And as parents and as grandparents, tag, we're it. Because you know most communication is done without words anyway. And our children, our grandchildren, the young ones around us, they pick up what we're putting out. Whether we say it or not say it, they do. Desire nothing more than what we need and that will free us from the anxiety that we have. Every time we desire more, every time we have to have more, we get deeper and deeper into that sea of unending unsatisfaction. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Verse number 8. Easy to preach, hard to live. Nothing in this verse about having luxuries. Nothing in this verse about having abundant living. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. If you're walking with God, it doesn't matter what your earthly circumstances are. If you have to have, you have to have this phone. You have to have that phone. Then you got to have this book. Stand up, young one. You got to have this. And you got to have this.
have this. I can't carry this guitar, And then you got you gotta have this. Okay, now you happy? <laughs> Everybody happy? Look, this stuff don't make you happy. All it does is just makes you miserable. It's just get it all away from me. Give me a bouncy ball, put me in a room, and get me away from people. It's, thank you, Josiah, very much. This stuff don't make you happy. It doesn't. All it does is it weighs you down. It gets you focused on earthly things because that's all you can think about. I can't hold it all he's thinking. Nobody can. I can't tolerate it all. That's what he's thinking. Nobody can. Because we're so earthly minded, we get our things on eternal things, an eternal perspective. None of that junk matters. I traveled with that bag more often when I was traveling more to, through airports and all of this. And what I liked about the bag, it was a durable bag, you know, because we're, we're durable guys and we need function, so we'll, that's why we spend more for the stuff. Um, but it's leather, you know, so it'll last. You can hand it down to the kids and all. Um, but it had the, the strap. Because if I have it strapped to me when I'm going through the airport, I won't put it down and forget that I have it. This way, it covers, it's a default to fix stupidity so that I don't have to put it down. Because if I put it down, the next thing you know, I'm going to be getting a call from the airport when I'm in Philadelphia and Nashville's going to call and say, uh, yeah, sir, you left your laptop at gate number 30. I really like that bag. Yeah. I put my Bible in it the whole bit. Um, but if that bag got stolen or lost, I really wouldn't care. Well, that's a problem when you're married because she knows how much I spent for it. But I don't care. I'm not going to be irresponsible, and I don't. I'm not saying that I want to lose it. I don't. I'm saying if I did. Or somebody stole it. What am I gonna do? We, when I first started um, doing this, running a, being a tournament director, I learned a few things. One of them was my good friend from back home helped me start this tournament, and he was one of the guys that manages it now. But he, we rented out a hotel to run a, an event, and. All these black belts came in to fight. We had all these matches set up, and it was really great. The hotel gave us a little breakout room. It was a small room where we could do weigh-ins. And so my computer's in there, and I have a little printer. It was set up in there. And my friend had his computer as well. And the both of us were doing data and weighing guys in and putting all the stuff in, and we have to print out waivers for them to sign, the whole bit. Well, a good friend of mine, my good friend, he was in charge of shutting that room down. He packs up his computer, gets all his stuff out of there. He forgets to lock the door. My computer and my printer sitting there. Wouldn't you know it, it got stolen. My computer's gone, my printer's gone. $2,000 is what it cost to get all that stuff. You know what else is in my bag? A checkbook <laughs> and you know who had to get paid at the end of the night the winners 
Yeah, somebody stole my checkbook. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm not really retired from fighting after all. <laughs> How fast can you run? <laughs> Thankfully, two of my uh, former training uh, partners were there and they ran academies. And they knew some of these other black belts more personally than I did. And they both vouched for me saying that, no, I mean, it, he's legit. It honestly got stolen. And it worked out when I got back home. I, I mailed him a check and the whole thing worked out. But for that three hour block of time where it feels like life stopped and everybody's looking at you, I really wanted my stuff. <laughs> but after I went home, I was upset I had to buy new stuff. I was upset that they didn't have the security camera there. I was upset that you think that the community of guys that you're around isn't like that, and that bothers me. But I don't care, it's stuff. Just buy another one. I didn't want to lose it. I didn't plan to lose it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter. It's junk. It allows you to do something, but it's not going to give you contentment. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 9, the Bible says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I said earlier, the streets and the highways of life are the real sources that you'll get your best material from, and you'll get your best lessons learned. It's great to have a, a, a library or a study office where you can prepare and think and have some quiet time with the Lord. That's great. I'm telling you, a lot of life's theology just comes from being out in the streets. Saturday, I just love being out with the people. I can tell them about Jesus Christ. It's great seeing Caroline out there, the kids out there, my wife out there, all the other Christians out there. It's just, you, do, you, you stand on the street corner and you do public ministry, you find out a lot of things. One is, Men and women are busy and they're obsessed with things and that success and riches is just abundant. That's what people want. But read the word. Read the verse. Let's read it again. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It's the growing greed of this world. And look, many foolish and hurtful lusts. Why doesn't God name all the specifics here? I think because it's so broad. It's just so much stuff. We need to be careful. People do stupid things. Next thing you know, their character is ruined. Money. Money should always be earned at the service of others. It should never be earned at the expense of someone else. It's always at the service of others. And in, in, in this idea, I'm going to determine to be rich no matter what the cost is, is not only wrong, it's a deception from Satan himself. Money at all costs, no matter what it takes, is wrong. We can't think like that as fathers. We can't think like that as mothers. We can't think like that as grandparents because that's not 
verse number nine we're in, we're going to get deeper and drown deeper in destruction. It's a snare. It's a temptation. Men fall into it. They can't get out of it. Nobody, no honest Bible-believing Christian wants to be greedy. It's easy to preach. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody starts off that way. Our plans, wives, you know, don't guys make plans with good intentions? And when you listen to, to them, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Nobody starts off with bad intentions. But along the way, those temptations come. The first deal works fine. It goes clean. It works out. A profit is made. We're able to provide for the family. It's fine. But then the next deal comes. Somebody does something wrong to you, they cheat you a little bit. You thought the deal was going to work out as good as the first one, but it really didn't. And then you think, you justify. That guy did something to me that way. I think I have the right to follow suit. You never started off with bad intention, but there it goes. And whatever it is, it comes up, and we've got to say no. Somewhere along the line, we get blinded by the God of this world. We ought not. We ought not. Uh, we're winding down, but let's get Proverbs chapter number 30. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 8. Everybody thinks they can handle it. And our self-conceit tells us that even though other men have ruined their lives with the pursuit of riches, we always say, I can handle it. We should not be self-deceived by thinking that our money-making ability makes us better than somebody else. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 8. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. You know, I honestly don't think God does not want you super rich and God does not want you super poor. He wants you right in the middle. He always wants you right in the middle. He wants you right in the middle of his will. He wants you right in the middle. There's always a balance. I'm too poor, I'm going to steal. I justify it, I'm poor. I'm too rich, I don't need God. Who are you? Proverbs 38, good verse. All right, let's get 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Let's go to the next verse. When you die, somebody's going to fight over your house. Memories are going to perish. your heart right, mind, soul, in the service of the Lord. It's work for eternal rewards. Verse number 10. Here's the bait. Cast the bait. Temptation we talked about, right? The temptation to be dishonest is what we're talking about now. Four. Money is the root of all evil. Is that what it says, boys and girls? No, the Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. There's the bait. Just casted it out. Satan wants you to love money more than you love God. 
Fathers, myself included, Satan wants you to love money more than you love your wife and more than you love your children. You grow up, you get married. Mason, you grow up, you get married. Satan wants you to love money more than you love the wife that you say you love and you marry her. That's what he wants. That's the temptation. And God says, you better not love money. You better not. Let's go on. It's the root of all evil. Most marriage problems, not all, have to do with money, have to do with finances. Which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Everybody starts off honest. But the opportunity comes. The business opportunity comes. You can't pass it up. We sell our wives on it. Guys are good at that. But here comes Satan. Yeah, now's my time to get even. I can get him to love money more than he loves me. And more than he loves God. More than he loves his God. And God's saying, I want you to love me more than you love money. Tell you, positions. Titles, recognition will get you and I to justify why we're doing what we're doing. No, 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 I don't love money. I don't love money. I have a title. I have a position. I have all this recognition from all these people. After all, my family doesn't recognize me like, and there it goes. And God says, ah, 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 you better be careful. That's the bait. That's the temptation. And we're going to end up with a conscience that continually tries to console itself as it justifies what it's doing. And everybody's okay with the commandments. They don't break. They are. That's why some of these preachers that hold these signs, God hates homos. Okay, well, that's fine. How come you, you don't hold up signs that says God hates uh, pr prideful boasters? Because that's what you are. <laughs> Everybody's fine with the sins they don't commit, and they love pushing it off on others, you know, just like a good Pharisee would. But that's not God. You point out somebody loves money, they're against every, all, all the sins except the love of money, which they're into, and they don't see it, and everybody else does. You just watch how that goes. It's not going to turn out good because it's a blind spot in their life. All right, I better land the plane. Let's get to Exodus 23. Exodus 23. This is good. This is good. Exodus chapter 23, verse number 8. This is a good verse. Here's the law. And thou shalt take no gift. Well, let's back up to verse number six. Thou shalt not rest the judgment of thy poor in, this, in his cause. Keep thee far from the false matter, and the innocent and righteous slay thou not. For I will not justify the wicked. And thou shalt take no gift 
For the gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. What do you see on, on um, Lady Justice or whatever you call it? She's blindfolded. As soon as you take, as soon as that judge takes a gift, that blindfolds off. He sees the gift giver in a better light. So if you're going to judge something, don't be bribed by a gift. Because you know what? You're not going to be blind. You're, not, you're going to have respective persons. Oh, yeah. That person gives a lot of money. Yep. That person brings a lot of people. We got to be careful we don't accept gifts which cause us to do wrong. All right, last three verses. You don't have to turn there. James 2, 5 says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? Boys and girls, you want to be rich? Be rich in faith. You get saved. It's by grace through faith. Be rich in faith. And heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. We got a kingdom. We're going to be with Lord Jesus Christ forever, ruling and reigning. He is the best thing to love after. Ephesians 2, 4, but God, he is who is rich in mercy. You want to be rich? Be like God. Be merciful. For his great love wherewith he loved us. You want to be rich? Be rich in love. Give people love. And I'm not a lovey-dovey Joel Osteen style guy. Believe me. But there's certainly a time to love. And that's a good thing to do. Last verse, 1 Timothy 6, 17. The Bible says at the end, 1 Timothy 6, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Our God gives us all this stuff down here to enjoy. Let's trust him. All the stuff that we try to work for, we need to be careful. It doesn't get us high-minded. And we're not trusting in that because your riches can't get you to heaven. The only way to get to heaven is through a God who is rich in mercy and who loved you enough to die for you. And if you repent of your sin and trust in him you can be saved all and have a great great life forever and ever right, would you bow your heads in prayer with me please thank you for a holy word father god thank you that we have enough to be content with we have more than enough to be content with Help us to be a people that loves others, merciful to others. Help us to not be high-minded. Help us to be a church that has a spirit of contentment as we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to apply these things to our lives. Help us, help us to be a great example to our families, our kids, those that need to hear about Jesus Christ. Lord, help give us the boldness to be able to tell them the free gift we offer to him this week. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, 
be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.